Back at it once again, Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. A time again to talk with Wolfgang. No conversation with Wolfgang Tuesday because it was the 4th of July. And oh, Wolfgang, knowing you, I'm sure you had uh, bottle rockets all the way up to the big boomers. You a fireworks guy? <laughs> you know what's funny? I am a fireworks guy, but I didn't do it. Um, I think these people need to quit pissing and moaning. Have a little fun till 10 or 11 at night. Now, the people that are doing it past that need to stop it, and if they continue to do it, they need to be fined. But can we have, a, can we have some fun for a little bit on the 4th without Grandma and Grandpa getting angry at 10, 11? <laughs> it, it, it is funny. Now, I, I consider myself very lucky because my little one does sleep very well, and she okay. was never woken up by the fireworks and the people in the neighborhood shooting them off and all those things we... We're at my parents' uh, on Sunday, which would have been the second. My uncle always puts together a big fireworks display. Uh, back in the day before it was legal, he would actually get a permit to be able to shoot them off every year uh, through the county. No up there. kidding. You yeah. can do that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, think, that's sweet. I think it cost, I don't know, it was like 30 bucks, something like that every year. So he got that, and people from around town would come out and uh, drive by on the blacktop there and watch him shoot off the big fireworks that he had. But even then, she didn't fall asleep. But I, I can understand the people with little ones, people that have dogs that are a, a little squeamish. Hey, all right, we we got to find a time that works, that makes sense. You got to knock it off at a certain point. I agree. I think we can all agree on that. But it, we all knew what all the news stories were going to be. Yes, yes. We all knew, oh, somebody lost a finger. Somebody, everybody has always lost a finger on the 4th of July, whether they were legal or they weren't legal. My brother's and my doctor... So he's on, you know, call certain times, certain Fourth of Julys. Let me tell you, it happens all the time. Now they're legal. It'll probably happen a little bit more. People need to be careful. People need to be respectful of the neighbors. I understand that. I, I wouldn't want my, let's put it this way. I have a neighbor at Clear Lake that used to like to mow their lawn at 7 in the morning. Mm. Not cool. Okay, that's not cool either. Mm. I understand what you're saying. You got a dog. We need to invent doggy earplugs. You know, or doggy, whatever. I think, I don't know if my house has more, I don't know, I just didn't notice it as much as I have in the past. I was talking talking to my daughter, and I said, it doesn't sound that bad, does it? And she's like, no. And then I opened the door and went outside, and I was like, yeah, it was, it was kind of loud. So I understand that people have a problem with it, but I think we can all get along here. Can we just get along, Rodney King? Can we all get along, Trent? <laughs> We're hopeful. We're hopeful at that. And Trent, did I hear that they ran out of firecrackers in Des Moines, in the central Iowa? Is that what I saw on TV? How is that possible? I did not see that. I did not hear that. All I heard from a couple of my friends over on the other side of town, live on the east side, said it looked like a war zone for a while there last night. (laughs) (laughs) The east side. Now give me a location here. Uh, We'll just keep it east side. East side, side, yeah, it would be, let's see, kind of... uh, Near the fairgrounds, I guess. Yeah, within within a mile and a half of the of the fairgrounds over there. And all right, yeah. so you're not a fun hater. You you no. have no problem with no. this. You like that it's legal. Yes. But again, there has to be a time where you're respectful. I don't know if that's probably. You know, I understand kids have babies. So mm. now after the fourth, maybe we make it what? I don't know. I don't know. Nine p.m. Because I don't want to be waking up little children and babies. I don't want to be scaring dogs. That's not the guy. Don't paint me in that corner. Frank Condon, okay? okay? I'm not that guy. Right. I'm not that guy, but I'm also not a fun hater. I think right, we can right. get together and, and come together and find it. 
a uh, medium there. There's got to be a happy medium somewhere. But you put it at 9 o'clock, I mean, you're shooting it out, it's still not even completely dark. And then, you know, what's the point? It's like the morons that shoot off their fireworks during the middle of the day, you can't even see it. I mean, it's not nearly as cool as doing it at night, so you run into that problem. Uh, the whole thing's a disaster. Well, let's figure this out, Trent. You let's and me. Schedule, let's schedule days where you can go later, maybe once you know, a couple times a month where on the weekend you can go later and not get fined and it can be louder and everybody knows it's going to happen. What do you think? Yeah. That don't work for you? I don't know. I mean, we got to come to it. You got to have a solution. You had a solution to the schedule problem. You don't have a solution to the firecracker problem, the blow, you know, blowing people's fingers off and stuff. You don't have a solution to that? Yeah, my, my solution is uh, just let it go. With everything. <laughs> Legalize gambling, <laughs> weed, whatever it is. Legalize it all. Let everybody do whatever they want to do. And well, if things blow up, things blow up. That's the way I look at it. I'll be safe in my house. At least I hope so. As long as my neighbor doesn't shoot one up and hit my roof. That's, yeah, then yeah, then it's on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wolfgang, a busy week here in the world of the Iowa Hawkeyes. You can find Wolfgang on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. And, uh... Well, let's start with the news that we picked up on the 4th of July, and it was one of those weird things. I, I got a text alert uh, that comes through one of the apps that I have that has breaking news with the Hawkeyes, the Cyclones, my favorite professional teams, Bears, uh, Twins, you know, things like that. And, and it comes across, and maybe I had a cocktail or two in me at the time, and I, Iowa adds James Butler, grad transfer running back from Nevada. I'm like... What is this? This can't be true. This can't be right. What is this? Well, uh, of course, uh, look a little deeper and find out it is true. Talk about a shocker here during the summertime. It absolutely was a shocker to me um, to get a grad transfer at a position that I think all Iowa fans feel comfortable with and pretty darn good about. I was poo-pooing it until I saw this guy's tape. So if you guys have not seen this James Butler's tape, um, from Nevada, we we call it Nevada, right? Right, Trent. Nevada, Nevada. Spell the whole <laughs> thing cares? off. That's right. But if you watch the tape, it excites me because this isn't. I mean, we're not watching tape of a high school kid, a high school running back going against a defensive line that they all weigh one eighty five or something, and you can't tell what they're going against. They're playing college football, and you watch this guy zero to sixty. His speed, it's there. His top-end speed, I don't know, it's not the crazy. I don't care about the top-end speed for a running back. I want 0-60. to 60. That's what I want. I want Barry Sanders. If he gets caught from behind because he doesn't have the top-end speed, that's fine. But he's already almost there to the end zone. You know what I mean? I don't care about that. 0-60 to 60 is what I want. This Butler kid, there are possibilities with this. And I poo-pooed this probably just like you did when I saw it. I'm just like... Of all the places we want a grad transfer, running back is probably, maybe besides tight end and running back, I mean, we're deep at tight end and running back, right, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that's the one, like you said, you're feeling good about. Feeling like you're in good But, but then you watch the, the tape and you're like, wow, this guy has something. This guy, again, has explosiveness, which how many guys on Iowa can you say can take it, you know, take it to the house, take it 50 yards anytime they touch the ball. This guy looks like he can be that guy along with Wadley. Now we have two guys. Unfortunately, they play the same position, or is it unfortunately? We look at Wadley, he may be injury-prone. He hasn't really necessarily had as many injuries as I thought. 
because of how small he is. But you never know. What if Wadley gets hurt? Yeah, They're going to split carries. I think this guy has surpassed our other two running backs. Just from the my eyeball test and watching this guy and the fact that we know he has hands and everybody talks that he has hands. I mean, we got some options here, man, on third down and stuff. They do. And, and I don't even think just third down alone. I, I think this is a real possibility. With the wide receiver position, the way that it's currently constructed, it's a problem. I mean, you can sit here and be fanboy and try to say, you know what, Max Cooper is going to be the man. <laughs> you, but we, in all seriousness, who are you talking about there, Trent? Who are you talking about? There? Nobody, no, nobody in particular. But in all seriousness, this is a spot where they're not good, and we saw it last year. We saw how debilitating it was to the passing game. I am of the belief, even with the new quarterback, that things are going to look better in the passing scheme. What Greg Davis tried to do, it never worked with Iowa's running game. I think they're going to come up with some semblance of a passing game here in year number one to at least be adequate there. But look at Butler. Now, people talk about the back-to-back 1,300-yard seasons, which is great on the ground. Last year, he caught 37 balls, 381 yards, and three touchdowns. We know Akron Wadley last year, how effective he was in the passing game. The play against Iowa State. He comes out of the backfield, goes up the sideline, catches a touchdown in the back of the end zone. What he did against Michigan, that little slip screen play that they ran a couple of different times that worked very effectively. Had a passing, uh, a receiving touchdown against Penn State. People like to forget that game, but he was able to do that. This is a guy that also can catch the ball out of the backfield. I say not just third down. you got to be thinking long and hard about playing these guys together a whole lot this year, not just running back one and two, but use these guys together in tandem. Now, if this were last year, I would poo-poo what you said. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen this year with a new offensive coordinator, an uh, offensive coordinator that may have Kirk Ferentz's ear more than most. Um, we don't, like you said, have big-time wide receivers. We don't think we do right now. We don't know. Maybe somebody will step up and we'll be like, wow, Vandenberg and then one of the freshmen or the Juco kid or wh- who knows. We never know what's going to happen, but – both those guys, Wadley and Butler, are huge, hardcore, big-time, explosive players from what I've seen. We all know Wadley at 6.1 yards per carry or whatever. Mm-hmm. If he even comes close to keeping that up, I think he's going to break the record. And he should. The guy's unbelievable. And, the, and you watch the Butler kid. He's, that, there's a reason he came to Iowa, Trent. There's a reason. And it's the offensive line. Are, is it going to be a great offensive line? No, but it's probably going to be close to a great offensive line, I would assume, especially with the running game. He knows he's going to get the carries, but it's going to be interesting now if you look at, like what you said, will Brian Ferentz get creative and play them both at the same time? Will he put one in the slot on third down? Will he put Wadley or Butler? Both of them, I believe, had almost exactly the same uh, receiving yards out of the backfield last year. Okay, one's going against Big Ten competition, one isn't. I understand that. Yep. But they both look with the eye test, man. I'm telling you, this kid is good, and I'm excited. I understand why some people are, like, poo-pooing it, knowing, oh, we got another running back. We have plenty of running backs. And I'm a little worried about the, the guys that are going to get surpassed. So They are, Trent. Trent, they are. Yeah. They're going to get surpassed. But for a year. For a year. And I I think, you know, looking at Botox, Akinabade, and Torn Young during the spring. Uh, Tokes was the guy that played last season. Torn Young redshirted. I, I think there is going to be a role for probably Torn Young because he is built differently than the other backs. Akron would be the one that you'd be concerned about because he played as a true freshman, meaning 
If he would be looking around, he'd have that redshirt year. He wouldn't lose a year of eligibility. I, I still think, though, even for him, hey, you know what? You're third string this year, fourth string this year, but you have two years. You feel like you're in good shape after Wadley and after Butler leave, and, and then you're battling for that position going forward. Still, even if that happens, hey, this is what you're going to trade James Butler for one year, then the hope of a running back that might stick around or might decide to look elsewhere. You're going to do that because I think it's going to ch- has a chance to help out this offense immensely. They need all the weapons they can get right now. So, and I agree with you on the weapons thing, but actually define your opinion more. What are we going to see? Do you believe Brian France will get that creative on offense with these two guys? Because, again, you have to get your guys that are the most explosive the ball. Do you really believe? I mean, how creative is he going to get with this? You really see we'll we'll see them both on the field at the same time or no? I do. A lot of people don't. I do. Remember last year, what we saw. They talked during the bye week about changing some things up, opening up the offense, doing a couple of different things. Now, all that led to was Akram Wadley running a uh, fly sweep against Penn State, what once or twice, and it was a disaster. And outside of that, they weren't able to do anything. But they at least tried. They they try to implement things. I believe that Brian will look to change things up, and he will be able to think outside the box much more than what we've seen before. So, yes, I'm of the belief that, yeah, that will happen, and we will see these guys incorporated together. Yeah, so the people that are not pumped about this running back transfer, I get it. Go look at this tape. I know you guys aren't coaches. I'm not a coach. Trent's not a coach. We're not talent evaluators, but I was pumped after watching the video this guy is now our number two running back, and I don't I don't see how you cannot. He is. He's going to be our second running back. He's reading some things. I can't remember who posted it, uh, Trent, but they were talking about this guy literally has NFL talent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah. if you bring him in, then we've got our tight ends. So how many we go to a seven tight end set? I don't know. If none of the true freshmen actually come up, you know, and actually raise their level, if the Juco kid doesn't come and, and make it, um, I'm counting on Vandenberg. Have you heard anything on Vandenberg? Is he healthy? Or when will he be 100%? You know? Uh, I, I've heard some good things here, I guess, in the He's last good, couple weeks. Trent. He yes. is good. Yes. One thing, though, that made me concerned is there was an article talking about him, you know, working his way back. And he was quoted as saying, and I want to say this is probably about a month ago, that. They're looking at ways to change the way that he goes through his route progression, you know, how he's cutting when he's doing his routes. That's concerning. I mean, because he has broken his foot, same foot, two different times, basically running routes. What made him such a good receiver, not like he had top-end speed. He's not slow by any means, but it was how good of a route runner he is. And now if you're looking to change that to try to alleviate whatever's happened because of those foot injuries... That's a concern. When I read that, that was a wild moment for me. Yeah, you're going to change what made him good? That's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, if, uh, if he can't cut like that, if you don't have a foot like that, it's going to be interesting. I'm not a football coach. I don't know how what they would do. I don't understand what that even quite means. He's not cutting as hard on some of the stuff. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could probably teach some of that stuff. But he's if he comes back what he was, he was a good receiver. I always poo-pooed him. I didn't think he was as good as you know a lot of or as there was one of my buddies said hey, this guy's good this guy's good before he actually was good and he ended up being good in my opinion so we'll see what ends up happening with him but we're gonna have to get creative on offense and get the explosive guys on the field and if we do 
maybe we'll see. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it all comes down to quarterback play. I'm telling you, oh God, we got to we got to <laughs> figure out one of those guys has got to step up big time, and it has to happen, you know, sooner rather than later. Okay, so I'm looking for the quote here. I'm trying to find exactly what it is. I'm not finding the exact I, I, one. I don't know that I read that article, but I'm trying to think what what I read. But yeah. Um, if he can be, I mean, a guy that we can count on, it. he gets, I'm stalling so you can find your, find your thing there, but if he, if he can be the guy, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that he was, there's one guy, boom, that we know is, is a good, darn Big Ten player. And what if we have another guy that steps up, finally, one of the freshmen, Young, or one of the other guys, Faulkner or whoever, one of those guys steps up, or maybe even one of the true freshmen. Maybe we got something. That's maybe looking at it positively. I can see why people might be poo-pooing that. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got a good offensive line. I was got a good offensive line. They've got a good running back stable. They've got a good tight end stable. Um, so, I mean, if a couple wide receivers freaking come up, maybe <laughs> we're poo-pooing this season. You never know. You never know. You never know. Here are uh, a couple of quotes from Vandenberg. This was back uh, uh, four weeks ago. Same type of injury, Vandenberg said. Same spot, everything was down to the same thing. That's not good. Secondly, I have to focus on what I can do better in those situations to not put myself in that situation. Talking about a possibility of a third injury happening to the foot. What does that mean? I, I don't know. There was another quote, and I can't find it here in the articles that I'm, I've looked through, but that he basically said, you know, he's talking about route running and and, and cuts and those things. It's... It's concerning. That's all I'm saying. I, w- I believe I was one of the first people to be incredibly concerned the second time he did it. Everybody else, oh, he'll be fine. Now more and more people have jumped on that, that wagon with me. Uh, he is a big part. If this is going to be a team that goes into the final stretch, you know, you get through the first eight games of the schedule and you get into November with the chance to win a division crown, Vandenberg's going to have to be good. He's going to be a big part of it. They need him if they're going to have any hope of even being in that position. No, I want to see him in, in everything. Pretty much everything in life is all mental. Not all mental, but most it's a lot mental. I want to see that guy running the routes the way he did. Whatever they have to change, I guess, to keep him healthy, they have to do. But I want to see him them right, him running right across that Tiger Hawk at midfield. Don't tell me you didn't get goosebumps when you saw that check on it. Don't tell me you didn't get goosebumps. <laughs> you love it. You absolutely love that Tiger Hawk. And I, I, I told you... I wanted it to be maybe a little bit bigger. Now I love it. I love it now. After seeing it on you the do. field, I'm right there with you. They did a good job. Because you're the czar of the uniforms. Yes. Which I found it funny that you... So would you have been one of those guys, which I couldn't believe, and I don't know if this was what this was, if this was a season ticket holder poll or Hawkeye, you know, whatever, central, you know, poll or whatever, but it said that, it was 67% of people wanted the Tiger Hawk at midfield. So that means 33% said no. Were you one of those people that said no? no or no, were no. you just saying you didn't care? No. I. So would you have voted yes or no? I would have said yes. I, I wanted to see it. Absolutely. I did want to see it. I was there with you going down that road. At first when I saw it, I'm like, oh, it couldn't have been a little bit bigger, something like that. And then I saw... Uh, somebody put up pictures of the other Big Ten stadiums, other stadiums across college football, showing that size-wise, it actually does work out. It it, it goes in relation with most everybody that has a a uh, a logo there at the fifty-yard line. So 
after looking at that, seeing that, I'm okay. I think it looks great. I love it. And I can't wait to take my kids for the first time. I don't know if you remember the first couple times you were at Kinnick Stadium or Absolutely. at your favorite football team, and you walk out there, and it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just like unbelievable. I, as an old man, can't wait to see it. I can't wait to take my young kids and look just so they see that. I'm like, this is going to be the first year you've ever seen that. Why people were against that, it looks so freaking good. And I want to know, if you're one of those 33% that voted no, <laughs> I want to. Is that is that just some sort of cyclone? People coming in and voting no. I don't know a person that would have voted no. Literally, they were like, eh, so what? There were some people that were so what, and then there were some people that will cry when they see it, like me, okay, and my kids. <laughs> but who voted no? And I want to know your name, your address. I'm gonna come talk to you. You're gonna hear it from Wolfgang on the other yeah. side. Wolfgang, we got a few other things we got to talk about. We have uh, teased for. About a week now, you got a list there of the top 50 college football players that you wanted to test me on a little bit. That's right. It's uh, around 1965 ish, I think. 65. So, what, last 50 years or so is what we're Yeah, yeah. So, you're not going to have Niall Kinnick in there. No, Niall Kinnick. Okay. We'll get into that coming up a little bit later on. Uh, Iowa, a three point favorite against Iowa State with the early lines out there. We'll talk about that. A Hawkeye commit for the football team. On the side of Noah Shannon, beating the Gophers where he previously was. And well, anytime we can talk about elite PJ Fleck, <laughs> we got to do it. We'll come back here with more on the other side. We got Wolfgang with us here for the full hour, Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Putting a cap on things with Wolfgang, you have a list in front of you. So this is what, the top 50 college football players of the last 50 years, something like that? Yeah, something around 1965, Trent, something, something close to that. Okay, so this is going to be college only. Is that right? No no NFL is put into this? Well, that's a great thing you just said there. Are people remembering them in college, or are they adding the NFL to it? Yeah. Now, if you look at some of the, the panel that did this, you're talking about the who's who of college football. You know, Tony Barnhart, uh, Bill Conley, we mm-hmm. got uh, Ivan Mizell, uh, Stuart Mandel. I mean, ta- I mean, studs. They yes. know their bleep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you would think they would be able to do this, but it'll be interesting to see um, what you think of some of this. And, and uh, if you think, I will tell you the top five players, Trent, are running backs. Top five players are running backs. Okay. So let me uh, put on the thinking yep. cap. Let's let- go number one. Let's just start with that. This, I'll, I'll stall here while you think. Who do you think uh, some of this? The panel here, Tony Barnhart and Mizell and, and all this, Bill King, all these guys, who do you think they might consider? Does anybody stick out hardcore to you as who they would pick? And I gave you a hint as a running back, okay? Running back, all right. Uh, as, as the number one college football player in the last, since like 1965. Since Does anybody stick out? Mm-hmm. It's okay if it doesn't. I, I'm trying to think. A couple of guys that jumped to mind would be Bo Jackson. Herschel Walker, uh, Archie Griffith, um, Lawrence Phillips. I know the off-field stuff, but boy, he was good. I don't believe he's in the top 50. Okay, all right. I could be wrong, and, but and, you and, know and, what? I look for him as well. I yeah. understand why you said that. And, and it's funny because if he didn't have the off-the-field problems, I don't think there's any doubt he probably would have been in that top 50. Yeah, but that's interesting. Maybe that's a part of it, too. 
Reggie Bush, got to throw him up there. You know what? I don't. He's got to be in here. He has could, to be. He has to. If yes, Reggie oh, Bush, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Never mind. Never okay. mind. Okay. He's up. Yes, yes, yes. Did, did I hit on number one though? You did. Okay. Herschel Walker. Now this Herschel was before Walker. our time. Yes. This was before we started watching football with adult eyes. You know, I may have watched one of his games. I mean, he played from eighty to eighty-two. So how much are we going to remember, Trent? Not much. Nope. But. You know, I'm probably just remembering what I saw in the NFL out of him. Fast, tough, strong, straight line, straight line runner. Runner didn't have much wiggle to him, though. Right. He's the best of all time. Interesting. Yeah. yeah it, I wouldn't think of him that way, but like you said, a little bit before our era, so that probably sways things a little bit. All right. So we got those up there. For me, if, if I'm coming together, college football only, remember. College football yes. only. You know who I might put at the top of my list? And you you, you might fall out of your chair. So, uh, brace well, yourself. it's going to be interesting if you're going to go outside the box here. Because number two, I want after you're done, I want to bring up number who's number two. Anyway, yes, bring up who you would put number one. Yes, please. Well, this would not be a running back, so it won't be uh, in that list. But for me, best college player that I've seen is Tommy Frazier. I know I Tommy Frazier. Yes. Tommy Frazier, during that time, running that triple option, what he could do, the physicality that he played with, the running style, how precise they were running that offense. He could throw it a little bit, didn't have to throw it a whole lot. They were incredible. He was incredible. Now, the talent around him certainly helps things out. But again, we're not talking anything with the NFL because we know, well, obviously it didn't translate to the next level. Tommy Frazier's got to be up there. Where's he on the list? You were probably expecting me to disagree. I, he is one of the players that I was going to bring up as, like, had I not looked at this, that guy was a, I mean, oh. he was a stud and obviously probably a, obviously a system quarterback. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you are not out of the realm here. You are um, actually right on the money. He is number 12. Number 12. Of all time. So they, they agree with you. In other words, all these high, big time, uh, college football writers agree with you. I want to ask you who number two is. Number two, not Bo Jackson. Nope. Not he Ar- is five. He's, he's five. Not Archie Griffith. He's three. He's three. It's a running back. You said it's a running college back. football. College football. Kajana Carter? No. No. Curtisinas? No. Number four is a big guy. Played at Texas. Running back. You know him probably. Earl. Er- Oh, okay. Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell. I thought maybe you're going to go Ricky Williams, who you'd have to put up there. Um, he's yeah, he's he's fairly up there. Yeah, I don't know where, but yeah. it's not Ron Dane, is it? No, it's not Ron okay. Dane. You know who it is? Who you got? My favorite running back of all time, Ronnie Harmon. Barry Barry Sanders. <laughs> Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Of course, he started one year. Trent. He did. He did. He was behind Thurman he's Thomas. My, he's my favorite player of all time, and that is bogus. That is ridiculous. Your number two player of all time started for his college team one year. Now, in my best, my favorite player's defense, he had the best year ever. Yes. Back then, so that would have been 86 to 88. So that would have been 88. We're playing how many games now? 11. Okay, they played how many back in 88? Oh, now, yeah, now it's 12, 13, up to 14. Back then it was 11. He had freaking... 7.7 7.7 yards per carry and 2,850 yards, including the bowl game. 
That's that's freaking ridiculous. I brought up his numbers. Just just listen to these numbers again. This is an eleven game regular season schedule. Oh, so you're not even going to add the bowl game? Not even the bowl game either. Twenty eight fifty with the bowl game. In eleven so games, we, we should add that. We should add that. Can you? It doesn't have that where you're saying it nope. should put that in. Then we can compare a little bit more. Well, even without it, he had twenty six hundred and twenty eight yards rushing. <laughs> 37 touchdowns. It's it's absolutely incredible. He also returned a kick for a touchdown, returned a punt for a touchdown that year. Caught one out of the backfield. He, You're right. The numbers that they put up that year, the numbers that Oklahoma State was able to put up. Remember back then, Oklahoma State wasn't very good. The Oklahoma State had a run during that time, but right after he left, it fell apart for them. After Barry, after Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas left, mm-hmm. I, I think it was like a decade before they even got back to a bowl game. What the oil man? The oil man didn't uh, didn't uh, donate back then, right? No, <laughs> T Boone. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He, he's actually in the wind now too. He's got oil and wind covered. He's a pretty smart guy. Yeah, it'd be, <laughs> be a nice thing to do. <laughs> like um, but yeah, and I'm. Do you understand my point here with Barry Sanders? Yes. So how are you? How are you again? When we get into this discussion about how we rate conferences, how are you rating this? How are you rating these players? He only started one year, Trent. This is my guy, Barry Sanders. You can't have him at two when the guy only started one year. If you're just looking, I don't know how would you how would you say that Barry Sanders deserves to be number two, only starting one year, even though I believe he's the best running back ever. Yeah, that I've ever seen. He had the greatest season ever. But the greatest player, I think it's a different conversation. I think it's one that's that's difficult to get to that point. I, I'm right there with you. So, with that, who else am I missing here? Uh, get, give us a little bit more. I think you got the top, you got the top five: Herschel Walker, one; okay. Barry Vic Sanders, Sanders, two; Archie Griffin, three; Earl Campbell, four; and Bo Jackson. You got at, the four at five. Number six is a quarterback, Grant, so he would be the number one quarterback rated by all these stud writers. Um, who do you think the number one quarterback since 1965 is then, according to these guys? Can't be Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. He's, he's around 35, I believe, okay. in the top 50. That's probably, that's fair, you know, a fair spot for him. You said it's not Tommy Frazier. He's down in the, what, a little bit later on. No, he was 12. He was 12. Uh, would it be, is it Tebow? It's Tebow. Is it Tebow? Yeah, okay. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I, I don't like the guy, but boy, I mean, he he did a lot. Now, why don't you, why don't you like him? I don't, I, I don't understand. I just, He's like the most genuine, probably, sports athlete of all time. Maybe Kurt Warner, maybe, who else would be up there? The most genuine, legitimate, nice guys, if you met them on the street, they would have time for you. And plus, they're good at football. And they're millionaires. And they're still nice guys. What's I don't understand people's problem with Tebow. What, what's your problem? It was just the way he was pushed down. It, it's more of a, a media creation. Uh, and, and it certainly it went from what he did at Florida and then that first year with Denver and, and the ridiculous how awful he was, but they're still pulling games out of their backside. And they were. They it, were it, pulling. Yes. That was, they were pulling stuff. Remember those four games against the Bears, against Minnesota? The stuff that he would be the worst quarterback, literally, in the league. I mean, maybe high school players could have played better. And then the last freaking two minutes, all of a sudden, guys would fumble on the other team. Right. And all of a sudden, he'd start. He won a playoff game. 
on a, like a what, 85-yard 80, touchdown pass? Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm a guy that laughed when Denver, because my buddy's a Denver fan, mm-hmm. was laughing. And then I started rooting for him because the media was so against him. I loved it. I loved it when they said he sucked. Ah, he'll never do anything. He sucks. And then the guy wins a playoff game. Gets him to the playoffs. He didn't start to what, midseason? They, weren't, they had no shot at making the playoffs, Trent. No shot. And he did that. You cannot poo-poo that. That was unbelievable. Would you love him or hate him? They won a playoff game in the freaking playoffs. And guess who did? They got to the same point and Peyton Manning the next year. A little bit prettier way of getting there, though. <laughs> so, okay, eyeball test. All right. Hey, do what you got to do. That's what, hey, get it done. I don't care how it looks. You're a basketball guy. I don't care how you shoot. Shoot it from your groin. Put it in the basket. <laughs> like, uh, like like Ball does uh, with the Lakers now. Hey, <laughs> is uh, I, I got a couple that I'm thinking about. Vince Young. Who's is your second quarterback? Yes, yes, good job, good job. He's in he the... So, so Tebow is six, Vince Young is eight. Okay. Yep, so you're right on there. That and, one... he, and I will always love that man for what he did against USC. Because do you remember that the week leading up to that game, mm-hmm. USC is the greatest football team of yes. all time. And when I a week, heard, it, it was all season. It was all season <laughs> long. It was absolutely ridiculous. It was. It was. But I thought it was. I, I don't know that I've ever even heard anything like that the week leading up to that because everybody was saying this USC team is the greatest team they've ever seen. And I'm like, this is not good. I'm telling you, if you're USC, this is not good. And what did Vince Young do? It was just pimp, and I will always love that guy for giving me a moment in sports and doing that. I know he petered out in the NFL, and I think he made two all or uh, two Pro Bowls. One legitimately, the other one I think he, you know, injured his way into it. Uh, guys in front of him got injured, but um, you know, I think he ended up having button heads with uh, his coach, which was the problem. But um, I'll always remember him for for that game. That was un, an unfreaking believable performance. I'm gonna guess Charles Woodson's up there defensively. Uh, Good, a yep. guy number eleven, number eleven, number eleven. You got Reggie Bush already at fourteen. Nice job. I completely missed him. I can't even believe I forgot about him. He was so freaking good. Did Did Leinert make the top fifty? Yes, he did. Okay. Yes, he did. I don't know where he is. I remember reading um, yeah. he was there somewhere. I'm, I'm gonna go forty ish. Okay, gotcha. Maybe. There's what other defensive guys? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Matt Leinert. That's fine. Yep, yep. I, I'm fine with that. Another defensive guy that uh, his NFL exploits probably also maybe even raise him up, but I remember the last year of Ed Reed at Miami, and he had he had like eight or nine interceptions. He had like 20 pass deflections. The guy was ridiculously good. That defense was ridiculously good on top of it. Uh, the U was up and rolling at that point in time. I don't know, you know, it's safety's a position that maybe gets kind of lost in the shuffle. He was never in Heisman conversation, anything like that. But did, at the very least, I got to expect Ed Reed made the list. You got him, number 34. Nice job, Ed he Reed. Should, yeah, one of the all-time greats. Man. He should be higher. Especially in the NFL. He was yeah. unbelievable. He should be higher, though. I mean, his his domination. All right, here's another one that had a lot of Heisman love uh, his, his uh, senior year. Offensive lineman Orlando Pace. Did he make the list? He was a stud, and good job out of you. I would have definitely named him if you were doing this the opposite way. He's number 16. Number 16, wow, a little higher than I even anticipated. All right, so we talked a little bit about some Nebraska guys, 
Oklahoma guys trying to think, you know, for a Jason White, uh, you wouldn't think so. Adrian Peterson, just a couple of years. Uh, he was good. Oh, he was good, though. Bi- you know, I never saw Billy Sims, but hearing stories, I remember my uncle telling me one time he just started loving Oklahoma because of, of Billy Sims back in the day. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm sure he probably is in that top 50 list, I'm going to guess. Michigan, yep. anybody else that stands up? Uh, Some of these guys, Trent, I look at and I'm like, are they just, I mean, this is just, you know, revisionist history. They got Jerry Rice at 35. See, that's, okay. Mississippi Valley State. Right. So, I mean, he put up great numbers. Who's he going against? Well, and and the other thing, go back to that time period. He was a first-round draft pick. What did he go, like 16, something like that overall. But was he considered a guy that was talked about? If there was college game day back then, would they be talking about Jerry Rice every week? I'm looking here. So he yeah, finished. Yeah, he said NC remarks for receptions, receiving yards as a junior. Whoops. <laughs> And then he topped himself off as a senior with 112 catches and 1,845 yards and 27 TDs. I did not remember him having that good of a college career. I didn't. Now, he's, who's he going against? So I don't know what these guys are looking at. Again, Trent, back to that. Is it one year? Can you be Cam Newton? Can you be Cam Newton? Can you be Jerry Rice? Obviously, you can be Jerry Rice here at number 35 and play against nobody uh-huh. at Mississippi Valley State. Obviously, I didn't realize he was drafted that high. You see, seventeen. Uh, I'd, I'd have to uh, let's see here. It's I remember because I was having this argument not too long ago with somebody. This is my argument. Yeah, his numbers were great. You know who else had had ridiculously good numbers though in terms of receiving? Uh, what was it Cooper Cup, the kid from Eastern Washington? <laughs> yeah, there you go. But nobody talked about him. And and back then, that's what I'm saying. Back in 1985. Were people around the country talking about this guy in that kind of realm? I don't think so. He finished ninth in Heisman voting. You know, ninth. Okay, it's nice. It's, it's good. He finished behind Greg Allen. You know who Greg Allen is? Greg Allen. He's a running back at Florida State that had 971 yards. Oh, jeez. He finished behind Chuck Long. Junior Chuck Long. Who finished Not familiar. Not familiar. Not familiar. Bill Fralick. An offensive lineman from Pitt. He finished behind him. He became a good pro. Bill Fralick with, what, Atlanta, I think it was. Kenneth Davis from TCU. Robbie Bosco from BYU. <laughs> oh, Robbie Bosco. Yeah, I love that name. Yeah. Yes, I remember him. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I'm just saying, I agree. Revisionist history absolutely puts Jerry Rice on there. If you're just talking about solely on your collegiate career, the buzz that you had during that time, there's no way that Jerry Rice would be on anybody's top 50. I didn't like that one. Okay, so there, I just found out this started in 1967. I said 65. Okay. So they've got O.J. Simpson, number 20. Ah. So they only they only have one. So that's one year. So they clearly don't care about longevity and sample size here because mm-hmm. they've got O.J. Simpson, number 20. So then if they're going to do it that way, then Barry Sanders should be at Herschel. I'm, if we're going to do it that way, that season that Barry Sanders had was freaking insane in the numbers that you brought up. and But there's so many good running backs. It's just Johnny Rogers, Marcus Allen. Yeah. It's just O.J. Simpson. They got Ronnie Lott. See, this was before our time again, too. Was he considered that great of a college player? A good question. Yeah, he obviously was. Unanimous All-American in 80. Okay. Um, just a unanimous All-American in 80. Mm-hmm. You know, but 79 and 80, he was back 
10 first teamer. You know, some of this stuff is before our time. We didn't watch right. it with, with eyes like somebody that's 10 years older than us. But um, Chris Spielman, there he is at 44. Loved watching him. He was so freaking fun to watch. Peyton Manning at 45. Um, and then T. Martin at 44. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kidding there. <laughs> no, um, well, he won a national championship. <laughs> yeah. God, I can't believe you fell for that. <laughs> well, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning's up for highs, but every year. Throwing all these touchdowns and then leaves, and T. Martin comes in and wins the championship next year. Right. You kidding me? Hey, freaking was, kidding me? Uh, T. Martin's number's not nearly as good as I thought. As I uh, bring them up here, <laughs> the national championship year: nineteen touchdowns against six interceptions, twenty-one hundred yards. The next year, his senior year, he uh, threw only twelve touchdowns against nine interceptions. Come on, T. Martin. I thought it was. Now, see, I, I could have defined this for. I, I like doing this more on the cuffs. It's more fun that way. Sure. I could have like defined this stuff for you, but Cam Newton is thirty. Cam so Newton listen to this freaking the two thousand ten national title run, sixty six percent, twenty eight hundred or twenty nine hundred thirty touchdowns, fifteen hundred yards and twenty touchdowns rushing. You kidding me? It's pretty good. Holy crap! It's pretty good. Even yeah. Christmas. Oh boy, Doug Flutie at forty nine. You got any opinion on that? Should uh, Chuck Long be at forty nine? No, no, I'd I'd give it to Flutie. Flutie's got the play. Flutie's got the Heisman. You got to give it to Flutie over Chuck Long in the closest one other. You brought up OJ Simpson. I, I had never looked or don't remember ever looking at his college stats. Mm-hmm. So comes in as a junior after playing the Juco ball, rushes for 1,500 yards, 13 touchdowns. Also completes three passes for three touchdowns and 33 yards. Then his senior year, back in 1968. 1,880 yards and 23 touchdowns to go along with 26 catches for 211 yards. I never realized it was that good. I mean, I know the guy put up some ridiculous numbers. I never realized they were that good at USC. And he's not even known for that now. Right. Well, (laughs) (laughs) for many reasons, he is not known for that at all. Oh, good stuff there. Anything else uh, with the top 50 players? I was trying to think. Okay, so we got Danny Wolfel at 48. Where's my man Troy Davis? All right, are you kidding me? Okay, let me go Iowa State Homer here. Let me go flyover country. Uh, Hawkeye Wolfgang ain't no Hawkeye right now. I'm a I'm a Cyclone. All right, we're sitting here looking at Danny Werfel at 48. We're looking at some of these other running backs. Some of them are just big names. I swear they just did it to sell magazines or sell website script. You know, uh, prescription. What am I looking for? Subscriptions. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but what he did at Iowa State when they knew he was the stud of all studs, he was the only guy they had to stop, and they could not do it. They could not stop him. He got a raw deal in the NFL. I watched him with New Orleans. I was rooting for him. Their offensive line was absolutely bogus, absolutely pathetic. It's why you can't just look at somebody's stats and say, oh, well, Emmett Smith was better than Barry Sanders. He wasn't. If, Emmett, if Barry Sanders had, would have played on Emmett Smith, Behind that offensive line, with that talent spread out, he would have run for freaking 3,000 yards. You can't look at just stats, but he put up the stats when they were just totally dialed in on Troy Davis, Trent. So those two years, they went 3-8 and eight and 2-9. and nine. That doesn't help. That doesn't help at all. Why? To me, it almost helps more because they knew – he was getting the ball on offense. Who else were they going to go to? Defenses were meant to stop Troy Davis at Iowa State. They couldn't do it. 
They couldn't even come close to doing it. You got a staff? It was ridiculous. What if he ran again? What if he actually ran against behind a line that also had weapons on the outside? Finished second in Heisman voting in 1996. With how many yards? 2,100 yards, uh, 2,185, 5.5 yards per carry, 21 touchdowns in 402 carries. Danny Give me Troy Davis, Davis over OJ any day. Danny Warfel won it that season. Jake Plummer finished third. Orlando Pace in fourth. Work done in the fifth spot that year. And we'll uh, continue down a trip down memory lane. Byron Hansbard of Texas Tech. <laughs> he was six that year. He also had 2,000 yards rushing that season. Uh, of course, famously was not eligible for the bowl game against Iowa because his GPA, Wolfgang, was 0.0. Wow. I like that guy. We have a lot in common. Darnell Autry was seventh. Peyton Manning at eight. Marcus Harris of Wyoming, wide receiver, who was number nine. And Bo Morgan, the... Uh, Flex option quarterback from Air Force was tenth that year in Heisman voting. All right, we got two minutes. No, or yeah, we go. Let, let's do it. Let's okay, do it. so at forty six, we got forty six. We got Nate Kading, and then at fifty, we've got Reggie Roby. Get out of here! You're full of it now. You're absolutely full of it. Reggie Roby, though, you could argue best punter of the last fifty years. Best punter with a wrist. A wrist watch, <laughs> absolutely. But he, yeah, when you win your MVP award and you're a punter on your college team, you caught something. And I'm obviously joking there. You knew I was joking. Yes. You didn't get the T. Martin joke, which I can't believe. No, but no. Um, you slept. You slept <laughs> that one past me. <laughs> That's totally. You were totally. You were looking for information. I was. Or something. You, you but um, Reggie Roby, you could argue because there's no place kickers. You could argue that Nate Kading deserves to be. Considered, he should have won no, the Rose no, Award no. twice with Nugent winning. All right, if you don't consider place kicker, I consider them football players with the balls that you have to have to kick those game winners. Yeah, are you kidding me? That's other than quarterback, I can't think of a more ballsy position that you have to play in football. I can't believe I'm saying that. I used to bash kickers. I played soccer, so maybe I'm sticking up for him. But I'm sorry, that takes balls at the end of the game. When everybody's quiet, everybody's nervous, you can feel the freaking energy in the stadium, and they have to kick that game winner. I'm I, 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 it's just it's tough to quantify it. It is for top and, fifty. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and with him, he wasn't the most important part of that Iowa team. He wasn't even close. Sure. Sure. Bob Sanders, you, you know the story of Kirk talking about having your big brother showing up on the playground when Bob stepped on the field the first <laughs> time. All those things. Roby, on the other hand, though. Widely regarded as one of the best kickers in a league Wasn't level. Fifty, fifty yards one year or something. Yeah, junior averaged forty nine point eight yards per punt. Oh, I thought he hit fifty. Okay. Yeah, this is as a collegiate and a senior year, averaged forty eight point one. Went on to have a prolific career. Was a consensus All American. All these different things. Him, I could buy it. I'm not buying it with Nate Kading though. Even though, literally, don't you remember the year that he lost to Nugent in Ohio State? Yep. He should have won that year. I think most people, I think, just said, ah, he won last year, let's give it to Nugent. You could literally say that man should have won two years the best college kicker. How many times has that ever been done? Ever? I don't know. So he's got to be up there, and then I think Roby, you win your MVP award on your college team, and you're a damn punter. 
I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I think I've heard Dan McCarney talk about him. I think he was the man that recruited him to Iowa, if I remember right. Um, just absolute stud, and then he took it to the NFL as well. Absolute stud. So I'd be interesting. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'd be interested in their opinions on punters and place kickers. God, I can't believe I just said that I'm a dork. <laughs> That's what happens in the summertime. We get into <laughs> things like this. Give us your best top ten punters. Go. <laughs> Reggie Roby, Reggie Roby, Jason Baker. <laughs> Nate Kading's right. la- uh, last season. All right? So the year he wins the gar- uh, the uh, the Lou Groves Award, he went I Garza, didn't I? <laughs> He went 57 to 58 in extra points. 21 to 24 on field goals. And how many 50 plusers? He hit a 55er, if I remember. Uh, doesn't have it Maybe. here. Oh, doesn't have it there? No, no. He, uh, his senior year. 54, 55. Missed an extra point, just like he did the year before, in less attempts, but went 20 of 21 on field goals. Wow. I did. Yeah, I, I remember it was good. I don't remember it was quite that good. We obviously, Trent, didn't get outraged because it's a place kicker award. Sure. Okay, but I'm a little more, I respect those guys. Punters, I don't respect. That's why I respect Red or Reggie Roby so much. The punters piss me off so much. Their lack of feeling of when they kick it into the end zone is just, they are not football players. The place kickers are. But most of the punters just stink. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's why I respect Reggie Roby so much because he was a punter that could not only he could kill it, but he could also nail it where he wanted to nail it. Well, Wolfgang, we have gone incredibly long today, which is a good thing. <laughs> right. It's all always right. a good thing. I'm going to let you go. You have a good weekend, my man. We'll talk again soon, all right? Thanks, man. See you, man. Bye-bye. That's Wolfgang. You can find him on Twitter at WolfgangHawkeye, and he joins us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Out of time for today. We'll be back at it on Monday, a short week this week. Gearing back up, Capital City League, Primetime League, both in action. Recap of that starting on Monday. Big weekend of baseball as well. We got you covered. Your only live and local lunchtime show in the state of Iowa. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700.